Soldiers in Niger claim to have overthrown the president of the West African country, Mohamed Bazoum, following the storming of his presidential palace. Now, reading from a statement which was televised on the country's national television station, Colonel Amadou Abramane, uh, who was flanked by nine other military officers, uh, says that the defense and security forces had decided to put the country's regime uh, due to a deteriorating security situation and bad governance um, on hold. And Abramane added in his address that all the country's borders were closed, a nationwide curfew has been declared, and all institutions of the public suspended. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin has welcomed African leaders at the second humanitarian and economic Russia-Africa summit that's currently ongoing in St. Petersburg. President Putin, speaking through a translator, had this to say at the opening of the summit. Let me state that this is what the assistance to developed poorest countries is about. But actually, it did not happen. None of the conditions of the deal that had to do with the lifting sanctions from Russian export of grain and fertilizer to global markets has been implemented. None of them was implemented. Obstacles were made for us. And by the way, we've just met with the AU leadership, and we talked about that. Impediments were made for us to provide free of charge mineral fertilizers to destitute countries out of 262,000 of tons of such fertilizers that are stranded in European ports. We've managed to uh, send only two batches, 20,000 tons to Malawi and 34,000 of Kenyans. All the rest remained uh, in the EU, and that has happened despite the fact that we're talking about purely humanitarian campaign that should not be subject to any sanctions whatsoever. Well, somebody think that they do not want Russia to enrich itself, to uh, invest uh, this money to military means. But this was about free of charge supplies to poorest countries. Given all these factors, we refused to further extend the deal. I've said that our country is ready to make up for the Ukrainian grain, both on commercial basis and free of charge to those countries in Africa that are in dire need, especially since we expect a record high harvest this year. As for the specific details, I should like to say that in the near months, three, four months, we would be ready to provide to Burkina Faso, Zimbabwe, Mali, Somalia, the Central African Republic, and Eritrea. We would be ready to supply 25, 50,000 tons of grain to each. We'll ensure free shipping of this cargo. And uh, that was uh, what the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, had to say uh, through a translator there. So for some analysis and uh, perhaps a deeper understanding of the opportunities that this summit holds for Africa, we join on the line by Professor of International Relations and Director at the Center, uh, the African Center for Study of the United States at Wits University, Professor Gilbert Khariahala. Professor, thanks for your time. Welcome to Update at Noon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much.
So firstly, Professor, just listening to what the Russian president had to say in that clip that we had uh, just heard, what do you make of those sentiments uh, given there, for example, at the end um, where uh, President Putin talks about the supply of uh, grain and perhaps other resources to some of the poorest nations on the African continent? You see, I think that is a very nice way of trying to evade the issue around renewing the Black Sea Grain Agreement, which is uh, an agreement that uh, Russia and Ukraine signed last year to, to permit the export of grain to both, from both Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Russia has now taken the position that uh, that agreement is not important because we're just going to give those, uh, those countries uh, free grain. And I think it's evading the bigger question, which is African countries don't want to be too much dependent on only one supplier from that region because the, the, the biggest suppliers have been Russia and Ukraine. And Ukraine can't do it now uh, because of the war, because of the attacks by Russians. So uh, it's, a, it's, as I said, a very clever uh, way of trying to get out of that agreement and, and using an explanation that, in fact, African countries didn't benefit uh, from that uh, agreement because most of this grain ended up in Europe and other countries, not Africa. Uh, again, uh, I think uh, the, the expectation was that, uh, uh, and the African delegation that went to Moscow, to St. Petersburg and, uh, and Kiev last June said, Please, can you, in fact, make an effort to renew that agreement? Because it's more balanced. I mean, you get grain from both countries. You don't want it really for free uh, because these countries ultimately have to buy this grain. The offer of free grain, I think, looks a bit suspicious in this moment. Uh, and it sounds like uh, almost like blackmail uh, on the part of African countries. But I can see why Putin would want that because if you open up that grain agreement, then it benefits. It benefits Ukraine, uh, which is at war with Russia. But it also makes a bigger statement to Western countries that if you don't remove sanctions against Russia, then don't tell us about a grain, a, 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 the Black Sea Grain Agreement. So he's trying to tie uh, that issue into other bigger problems that exist around this war. Uh, and uh, ultimately, I think it's African countries that are going to to end up on uh, on the bad end of the, the the conflict. And this is exactly why that agreement, the renewal, even the UN, which helped in the negotiation, had said from the beginning that it's important that we have a renewal of that agreement. It benefits everybody. Uh, it's not a question of unilateral declaration of supplying free food to Africans. That's not the problem here. So, Professor, you use the word blackmail. I was thinking bribery. So please explain why this would be blackmail. No, you see, because the more, they, the more these countries have them to depend on, the more they are vulnerable <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to Russian manipulation down the road. Uh, on votes such as the UN. Or the UN, uh, Russia would expect that these countries, poor countries getting free grain from it, should actually vote the way it wants. So, and and uh, I think that's the danger. Uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trivializing the importance of food here, or free food. I'm just saying there are 
dangers to the supply of free food, particularly mm. since in the previous years, African countries have bought that food. They just need it on their markets and then they pay for it. So no such thing as a free lunch once again. Uh, but isn't this uh, what yeah. African countries have been subjected to um, since time immemorial in various guises, Professor? You see, the long-term solution to the, the grain crisis is for African countries to produce their own grain. Uh, but I think in the short to medium term, they are not doing as much as they should. I mean, there are countries uh, who give all kinds of excuses why the, their farmers are not being treated gently and nicely in order for them to produce food. So it's a bigger problem, but you, you also allude to the long-term issues around, you know, Africa dependent on the West or the rest of the world for some of the things that it should be producing itself. And these are problems that we haven't really confronted. But this argument around the, the grain deal is going really to open up debates about what are African countries doing to produce their own food or what should they be doing, in fact, to reduce their dependence on food from outside. So getting to the summit now, the Russia-Africa summit and the African leaders in attendance, you say, Prof, that African leaders should be most concerned about two major issues. You say, um, uh, well, maybe I can get you to elaborate for the benefit of our listeners on this one. No, the two issues that I put across were one, the peace in the war between Russia and Ukraine. The African presented a peace plan to both countries in June. And I saw this summit, therefore, as a good opportunity for the African countries to keep putting more pressure on Russia to address some of the big issues, confidence-building issues, like the grain agreement, like dealing with the humanitarian components of the war, like dealing with the issues of reuniting of children who are affected by this war especially Ukrainian children. So I said that the agenda should be to what extent does Africa build on the peace initiative of June 2023 to make more uh, to make uh, more traction on that conflict? Because there are other actors who also are coming up with their own programs. But African countries did a better job of going to speak to the two leaders almost within a two-day period. So we don't want to lose the momentum on that peace effort. That is one. The second issue I've mentioned is the Russians should not be encouraging the export of mercenaries to African countries who are abusing human rights, who are in fact helping in the continuation of these civil conflicts in places like Sudan, Mali, Central African Republic, and so on. So I said that the African countries should tell Putin that this is not right because the African Union has a protocol against mercenary the participation of mercenaries in African conflicts. This is a very good opportunity for them to say, you know, it's not good. It doesn't look for good look good for Russia to be encouraging the Wagner Group to be involved in many conflicts in Africa, despite the fact that uh, the Wagner Group has been invited by some of these countries. So it's a way to shame some of these countries, really, by saying, <laughs> why are you doing this? Why can't you have different approaches? Why can't you, in fact, rely on African countries to help you negotiate the end of these conflicts rather than just simply waiting for 
Putin to send you some mercenaries going to perpetuate your, your position in power. I think it's a big moral point because it resonates actually with uh, a lot of what Africans think. We need to end our conflicts, but we also need to end the Ukraine-Russia conflict. I think that's a good message to send at this conference. But what are the chances of that happening, Prof? What are the chances of African leaders going there and with any sort of, um, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word integrity, but, you know, uh, with any sort of force that they can bring to bear to say to whether it's Russia, whether it is, you know, the United States or any other country where they go to meet with these leaders, uh, are they really able to stand up and say, you know, this is what we think and, and... and would these powers actually care what they have to say? You see, the problem is that African countries go to these meetings unprepared. Uh, they don't have time to think through what is it that we can put on the table as Africans. And in fact, there was an AU meeting in, in Kenya not too long ago, and I expected that this is a meeting that would have helped African countries come together with a common framework for the summit in St. Petersburg. But I suspect that uh, that never really occurred. I think there were some discussions at that meeting about the peace plan for Russia, Ukraine. Uh, but out of that, I think the, the bigger problem is that uh, these countries are so divided, they don't have a common approach to most of these bigger questions. On Wagner, for instance, uh, there are a lot of beneficiaries of Wagner, of mercenaries. As I said, these regimes in these countries are the ones that invite these countries. Those countries that are opposed to Wagner sometimes don't have the confidence. Uh, they don't have the, the voice to come up and say, we want to shame our colleagues for inviting Wagner. Uh, they don't say it at the AU, so I don't expect them to say it <laughs> at the St. Petersburg Precisely, Summit. Prof. So the problem is that if, unless we galvanize our voices around some of our protocols like mercenaries, uh, then uh, the organizations are really treated uh, in very trivial manner. People don't think they are serious because they are basic things that we should be pushing for. But mm. I thought this would be a good opportunity because they'll be sitting with Putin and say, you know, why are you doing this? It's not right. But I think you answered that question, Prof, because as you said, these countries and their heads are not even united on some of these issues. But we have to leave it there, Prof. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Professor Gilbert uh, Hariahala, uh, who is uh, the uh, uh, Professor of International Relations and Director at the Africa Center for Study of the United States at Wits University.